Welcome to Timeless Truth with Pastor Jim Thomas, a resource of the Village Chapel in Nashville, Tennessee. This week we'll be studying chapter 3 of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians. May this study equip you to follow our Lord in faithfulness, and may you continue to grow in your love for Him and His Word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of the Village Chapel or discover more resources like this one, visit thevillagechapel.com. Now, here's Pastor Jim. Good day, folks. Pastor Jim Thomas from the Village Chapel here in Nashville, Tennessee, with your daily devotion. Finishing up chapter 3 of Ephesians today. So if you don't have your Bible with you, it's really okay. I'll read It's just two verses. One of those uh, New Testament benedictions that are so rich, so wonderful. You hear them in so many churches around the world. Um, and this is, this is like I say, this is a really beautiful one. It, uh, it, it kind of bookends the first uh, uh, three chapters of the letter to the Ephesians. Paul opening up with praise, kind of exuberant praise and glory to God. And then here we are midway point through the letter of the Ephesians. And he closes that prayer out that we've just studied in the previous episode. He closes that prayer out with this benediction. Let me read the two verses, just make a few comments for the day and get you rolling. He says, at the very end of his prayer, he says, Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him... Be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Ah, just feel like there ought to be a big epic, you know, sort of swell of music and a rumble of the timpani and that sort of thing. It just is such a beautiful ending uh, to this, as I say, this first uh, half of Ephesians. I'll remind you that. The letter of of Ephesians, we've broken it in our English Bibles anyway into six chapters. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 dealing with uh, uh, doctrine, with indicatives, the the things that are true, if you will. Um, God has done so many things uh, on our behalf, and he's done them in Christ Jesus. And so we read that phrase, in Christ, over and over and over again, some 20-odd sometimes. Uh, throughout the letter of the Ephesians, 160 times in the New Testament. So it's very, very critical and central um, bit of the Christian faith to know that you are united with the object of your faith, who is the person, Jesus Christ himself. But this this ending of this prayer is so uh, so powerful. I, I love what it says. I just want to pick it apart phrase by phrase. If you give me just a couple of minutes, I'd like to do that is this uh, exclamatory, exuberant sort of praise. And he begins by saying, now to him who is able to do, and then, but I want to stop there, just the word able. Have you ever wondered about um, God's ability? Uh, maybe, maybe at some point, you know, when you were a kid, somebody asked you the question, you know, can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Or maybe you've heard, what happens if an unstoppable force meets an immovable object? And we hear these kinds of questions all the time. There's lots of things that can be argued, though, that can't actually play out in reality. Um, the only thing that God cannot do, I'll make this real clear, is he can't stop being God. Um, God is who 
God is. And if God didn't exist, neither would we, because he's the source origin, the creator of everything. And he sustains everything. He rules and reigns over everything. And all of space-time history, all of human history, all of our stories, if you will, they're all going to fit into his plans and purposes. And he will accomplish his plans and purposes. And so that's uh, that's essentially what the Apostle Paul has been saying here, is that to this God, the, the, the sovereign Lord of all, the one who's able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, and, and that's not just regular abundantly, that's exceeding abundantly. Um, that is refreshing. I don't know about how you feel about that, but that's refreshing to me. Um, I often pray to God, and as I begin pr- my prayers, like he does here in Ephesians, I want to remind myself of who God is as I'm addressing God. Not only because I want to give God his proper due respect, the awe, um, the submission before his will, all of that, but also because I want to remind myself of how great is our God. And so I want to encourage you, even as the Apostle Paul serves up this little benediction here. Great way to open a prayer, great way to close a prayer. Um, What is God able to do? Um, God is able to do anything that indeed can be done. Um, And I, I want to join Jesus in the prayer that he prayed as recorded in Luke chapter 22, where he said, but not my will, but thine be done. The human Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane agonizing over what he's about to face in the cross and that sort of thing. says, um, ask, ask God if this cup can pass, uh, but not my will, but thine be done. And I think that's got to be the way we approach prayer as well. Remember, it's a request. We're going before the sovereign, omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And he, if we knew everything he knows, we might be able to pray 100% of the time in accordance with his will, but we don't know everything that he knows. We don't know all that God is doing in his creation. We don't know what he's doing at the bank we're about to go to or the grocery store that we're about to drive to or the office we're about to go to or as we're coming home from work. We haven't got a clue what's going on in the lives of all of those people that we say we love so much. And then we walk in the door expecting them to behave a certain way, look a certain way, and we begin to interpret their words, their facial expressions a certain way. All the while, we just have to acknowledge we really don't know a lot. And so it's a great place to put yourself in to come before the Lord and to say, Lord, you do know everything. You are sovereign over all. Lord, I want to align my heart, my will, my plans, even my prayer requests with your will. Because God, you're going to bring about the intersection of your greatest glory and our highest good. And that we can trust him to do. So now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. And sometimes, I don't know about you, uh, it's good to be reminded that prayer is an ask. Prayer sometimes is a thought, and a lot of times people will say, sending out my thoughts and prayers. Um, I, I, I kind of bristle at that myself a little bit. 
Uh, mostly because I, I don't I don't really care what you think. I really if, you, if if I'm in need, I want you to pray. I want you to go before the God who is there and present me and my need to this all-knowing, sovereign, all-loving God, and and pray for me. Um, not just think about me, but pray for me. So this is not merely wishful thinking. Prayer is not that. Uh, it is going before the God who is there, the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond what I'm able to ask, what I can think. He's able to do that. And so I want anyone that prays for me, and as I pray for you, I want to keep that in mind. Who is God? This God we're praying to. He's invited us to come before him. He's invited us to present our uh, requests to him with thanksgiving. And so we should do that. Um, God is able. He's able to do more than we can even imagine or that we generally would ever ask. So it's quite refreshing that Ephesians is more concerned with God's glory than with my individual story or your individual story. It's all about God. And it's all about how we, who are God's creatures, have now, because of Christ, become his sons and daughters. Not just God's property, not just God's possession, but God's relationships. Um, We, his sons and daughters, if you've trusted Christ uh, as your Savior. And if you haven't, oh, let me encourage you today. Why not? What, what What would hold you back? Come to know the one who made you. He's made it possible for you to come into his presence. He's made it possible for you to come boldly and know that you have access to him and that you'll be accepted. Because if you're in Christ Jesus, then Christ took your sin to the cross and has given you his righteousness. So when you enter the throne room of God's grace in prayer, you enter with boldness and with confidence that not only do you have access to God, but you are accepted in the beloved, accepted in Christ Jesus. Well, let's look at those last couple of phrases in verse 21. It says, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So we have at least, there's. we started the letter with pointing out how we have two addresses. Now the apostle Paul writes to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. And so we have an at and an in. But here, I love this, um, we are in the church as well. I love that in verse 21, he, he points that out there as he closes out this prayer with this benediction. So you and I, when we belong to Jesus, um, we belong to everyone else who belongs to Jesus as well. We're never alone for the rest of eternity. And I just wanna encourage you, if you feel alone, if you feel lonely, and there's an epidemic of loneliness in the world, um, don't you don't have to feel that way now. See, Jesus has his hold on you. He's holding you fast, and he's got you. To him be the glory in the church, that's his body, the body of Christ, and in Christ Jesus, the Apostle Paul says, to all generations forever and ever. And those are some really powerful words as well, forever and ever. Well, forever sounds like all of it, but then he goes, no, and ever on top of that. Just like he said earlier, was it in verse, um, uh, that you may know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge in verse 19. He wants you to know something that surpasses knowledge. Here are the paradoxes of the Christian faith. Again, it is heart-thumping, mind-blowing, eye-popping, because 
It's, it's, we're talking about an infinite God and we, these finite creatures, being in relationship with this infinite God. And to him, we want to close all our prayers this way. Be the glory in the church, throughout the community of faith. And I know the church isn't perfect. Listen, I'm a pastor. Um, I work in a church. Uh, I know how the sausage is made. I know how all things are, uh, all the things are done. But I got to tell you, I love the church of Jesus. He is at work in the village chapel. He's at work in so many hundreds of thousands and perhaps millions of churches around the world working his redemption plan into each and every one of those communities of faith. So I want to encourage you, make sure you're in a church. Make sure you're studying the word together with other believers so that you can be reminded of these truths that matter so much. All of these indicatives, Ephesians 1, 2, and 3. Next time we meet in the next episode, we'll be rolling right into chapter 4, and it's all the imperatives. It's all about how we're to respond to all of these indicatives. And before I go, I just want to close with a quote by Klein Snodgrass. His uh, commentary on Ephesians is just one of my very favorites. He says this doxology that we're reading here, that we just, these two verses at the end of chapter 3, They invite us to meditate on God, the one who is much more powerful than we anticipate. I love that. Exceeding abundantly, remember? Um, This is not an invitation to think up self-centered grocery lists of tasks for God to do. Rather, it is a call to realize God's unanticipated power to affect change in us in keeping with the power already working in us. That's that's awesome. I love the way he said that. Here's the Holy Spirit at work in your life and at work in my life. We need that Holy Spirit. This is, again, why uh, Ephesians is so Trinitarian, as we saw with the contents of the prayer itself. Verse 16, that we would be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in our hearts. And verse 19, that we be filled up to the fullness of God. Now to him, let us give thanks and praise and honor and glory for who he is and continue to just meditate on uh, on the Lord himself and practice the presence of Jesus as you go through this day. Let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for Ephesians, this ancient letter. Um, so amazing that you've preserved it over all this time, that it's timeless truths apply to us in so many very relevant kinds of ways. I want to pray for myself and for all my brothers and sisters out there today that we would be caught up in worship and praise and giving thanks to you this day. No matter what's going on in our hearts, no matter what's going on in our minds, what we're maybe anxious about or afraid of, a concern about, Lord, that the the brilliance of who you are, your glory, your splendor, Lord, would be right in front of us and that we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter or finisher of our faith. Um, that we would offer up our thanksgiving and praise to you throughout the day today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to today's study. 
take a moment to leave a review and share this episode with friends and family. You can stay connected by signing up for our newsletter or following us on social media. At the Village Chapel, we believe God's Word is unique in its source, timeless in its truth, broad in its reach, and transforming in its power. For more resources or to support our ministry, visit our website, thevillagechapel.com.